Blake Griffin is here. We'll tell you what you can really expect from him. Spoiler alert, not much. But we can expect a few things from this small lineup that I've been begging for. What can we expect from that? We'll talk about it with Tom Westerholm right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy J's, how it started, raising banners, how we finish. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it is your team every day. And I am here for you every day, Monday through Friday, with a free, fresh podcast. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can even watch the show on YouTube. I want to thank you for making this show your first listen every day and part of your daily routine. I'm John Corrales. I'm a former professional basketball player, credentialed member of the media, covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. Now I'm into my 16th season, 16 seasons, geez, covering the team. I've also written a book called the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Star. 16 seasons, Tom Westerholm. Tom Westerholm, by the way, uh, everybody. Tom, hello. Hello. Golf clap for Tom Westerholm. Uh, six, full 16. Full huh? Full, yeah. Applause. Full, me, full clap? Yeah. Woo! Tom Westerholm. Woo, baby, Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Better? Better? Does that satisfy your ego, sir? Very few things do. Um, That was better than the first one. Yes. You know, try to be be professional. Try to keep it at a certain level. But no, Tom just needs it to go a little further. I do every time. It's a a sickness. Tom, if there's one thing everybody has used to describe you, it's extra. That's (laughs) extra, yes. Uh, uh, The Celtics have an extra guy. Hey, hey, oh, Blake Griffin. Uh, it was announced last Friday that he was, uh, they, he agreed to a contract. People asked for like emergency podcasts. And I was like, and I was like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, no, Blake doesn't move the needle for me enough to be like, time machine, Blake. Sure. Yeah. Sure, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he, if he had like the, the Kia that traveled through time, and that brought him here. Yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be great. But uh, I didn't. I didn't feel the need to do an emergency podcast on Blake Griffin, and I certainly didn't feel the need to talk about him yesterday after the Celtics' uh, huge forty-one point preseason win. Which, okay, forty-one points. Who cares about forty-one points? But I thought it was just such a nice kind of like distraction from everything. Like, it just felt good. I wasn't going to talk about Blake Griffin. So now, now Blake Griffin talked, he showed up, he appeared in front of the media, answered the questions very well. He seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, everybody that I know in the media and ever I've heard talking in the media says he's, he's really good to, to be around and is really good to, to, to everybody. So that that's nice to have good vibes, Mr. Good vibes around here. But all of this is just to say that, okay, Blake is, it's okay. You know, if his name wasn't Blake Griffin, would we even really spend any more than this amount of time talking to him, talking about him? I mean, if, if like, no, because 
when I pitched the idea of talking about Noah Vonley before the podcast, you your face went yeah, soured very. <laughs> I did a yeah. I kind of so, no. think I made that exact sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I I don't think we would because I mean realistically <laughs> in 2022, sorry, there's not that much difference between Noah Vonley and Blake Griffin. Uh, besides, you know, experience and all that stuff. But sure. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's. I think it's an interesting pickup. I think it's like a a guy who could potentially help a little bit, like you know, and that's and that it sounds, you know, from 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 Blake's availability today. I mean, he sounds like a guy who is ready for the type of role that I envision the Celtics putting him in. Like mm-hmm. he he knows the deal. He like you know he 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 was talking specifically about being a guy who signed after training camp had happened. And if you're yeah. a guy who's signing after training camp happens, you can have a role. Like you can be an NBA player, but you're a certain type of role and a certain <laughs> type of NBA player. And you know that, right? And so Blake clearly knows that. And he knows that this opportunity he has with the Celtics is a chance to ring chase. Like this is not, you know, go out and market yourself for the next team necessarily. Right. This is, this is, let me, let, I, I made $30 million a year for, you know, Seven straight seasons. Let me go. Let me go see if I can get the thing that thirty million dollars can't buy, which is yeah. the NBA ring. Yeah, that it's it's one hundred percent true. He's he's not here as a prove it kind of no. year. Like he's yeah. not here to say uh, I'm a you know I've been out of the league. Well, well, like Noel Vonley is actually here to try to prove yeah. something, yeah. and he's I think all Noel Vonley is proving is that his status in the league is appropriate. To me, like, I, I don't think he is worthy of increased status in the NBA. This is about right for him. So, but Blake, sorry, I'm just sour on Vonley. Uh, Blake is, yeah, it's exactly right. He He's a guy that's going to come in and play. If he plays any more than four or five minutes at a time, there's a problem. In those four or five minutes, he can move the ball. You heard Joe Mazzulla, when he talked about what what can Blake give you, he he kind of danced around the abilities and said, "Yeah, he's he's you know he's been around. He's played with a lot of great players. He's played for a lot of great coaches." Right. And I'm like, okay, uh, and he's a guy who can move the ball and make that extra pass, which is basically saying, "Don't try to score." Uh, but he, he but that's what they're going to need. They're going to need a guy who's going to go out there and. Take a charge, you know, here and there, play, you know, play some level of defense. Uh, he's a big, strong individual. He's large. And so opening night against Philly, he might get a few cracks at just wearing down Joel Embiid. That's that's kind of going to be his role. Make the extra pass every once in a while. Spot up, wide open three. Sure, go for it. Maybe you can shoot better than 28% that you like you did last year. And everything else is just gravy. And and when Rob comes back, I think he's pretty comfortable sitting on that bench. Get your spot, get your towel waving, get those shoulder, the rotator cuff uh, exercises going, and you're good. Yeah. No, I mean, that is that is 100% what it is. And I, I think, um, yeah, Missoula's comments were very funny because there, there was this element of, of like, I am uncomfortable with the question of what it is. <laughs> like it was the opposite of uh, well, I guess it was kind of similar to Office Space, where it was like, like I'm not comfortable discussing what it is he 
does around here, <laughs> right. you know. Um, but I mean, look, like I, I think I, I actually do think that what Missoula said is is somewhat enlightening, right? Because what he said was like basically this is a guy who's been around, and that's what the Celtics need, right? Like they don't yeah. they don't need like that's actually one of the you know one of the things that I think is really going to work against somebody like Noah Vonley. They don't need somebody who's got to prove themselves. They need somebody who's been around and who in the big moments, like that's not to say like Blake is going to go out and be a superstar in big moments, but he's been in them before and he's not going to be scared of them because he's, yeah. cause he's experienced them. And like, there's so much value in that, like for a team like the Celtics who are trying to win a championship, who are trying to make a deep playoff run so much value in just having guys who, you know, aren't going to be like totally shook if you put them out there on the floor, because you know what? Maybe you put Blake out there in a big moment and he does something good. Or like the Celtics saw in that last, in, in that series against the Nets, Maybe he just knocks down a bunch of threes because he's not scared to shoot an open three in yeah. a big moment. Like he, he just kind of knows how to how to how to operate. He knows how to um, kind of carry himself. Like that's that's a learned skill. You know, if you put Kevin Gelly out there in like one of those moments, he's not gonna <laughs> do a lot of good things. This dude has all the energy and all the hustle in the world, and that's all great. But if you put him out there in the playoffs, I feel like you know you would rather have somebody like Blake who's who's done it before, who's who has. Uh, like you know, much, much like just you know, much more experience, much m- a much better sense of what is required both physically and mentally. So, I mean, that's what you get with Blake. You're, you're not getting a superstar. You're not getting 2013. You're yeah, definitely not getting an emergency podcast. But you are definitely getting, not. Uh, like definitely not. But you are getting a guy who's who's been around and can and can carry himself that way. Yeah, that that that's it. That's it. That's it. Like that's. That's that's all you're gonna get with Blake Griffin, and 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 that's fine, and that's fine, and that's fine, because yeah. when when everybody is healthy, if everyone ever ever gets healthy, that's it, it's good to have that in your back pocket. But as we saw, you know, with Brooklyn, when everything went to hell and Steve Nash went to uh, Blake Griffin, yeah, he had that one moment. He had that one game where he hit a bunch of shots, but then he also was the guy that everybody targeted and you don't want of to course. have a target out there. So, yeah. So, you know, that that's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, for a better minimum. Mean, yeah. He's fine. Like literally his quote uh, was just some stability, whatever they need. If Al needs a break, if Rob needs a break, total utility. I didn't come here demanding a certain type of role. It's just fill the gaps. Like, yeah, he gets it. He knows it. So, he knows it. He knows it. Like yeah. you said, Get get that rotator. Get that. Get, get one of those tennis balls that you can really rub on it just to get yeah. 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 It's yeah. Gonna be good stuff. He's gonna have a fun year, I think. I I, I do feel bad sometimes. Uh, just turning just turning the the spotlight on ourselves for just a second. When everybody knows that this is what it is, everybody knows what it is, or should know what it is. If you're out there in a scrum. Asking Joe Missoula, so what do you think Blake Griffin brings to this team? And you ask it earnestly. I mean, don't don't put him in that position. I know you need the quote. I know you need the quote. But I mean, maybe ask a different question. You know, maybe maybe ask a little something that's I don't know. I, it, it just feels like you put a guy in a position to be like, yeah, he's he's fun. It's like when Brad. A couple seasons ago, who is he? Oh, we're asking about um, uh, Poirier. 
Remember, I don't oh, know if you remember this yeah. moment. We asked oh, him about yeah. Poirier, and we're, I was like, so what does he bring? What does he do? And he and Brad's like, well, he's the funniest guy in the locker room. And you're like, if that's your first thing, he sucks. He's terrible. So, yeah, that yeah. that's kind of what this is. Not to that extent, which was really one of Brad's unintentionally funniest moments as, as a coach. That was incredible. But it also might still be the case. Like, Blake Griffin is pretty funny. Yeah, like, yeah. That might I actually mean, be an accurate answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he was cracked to joke about Al being a million years old today. Like, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's always like, a funny guy. That, that, he's got that's, jokes. He's yeah. got jokes. literally has jokes. He he yeah. did try a stand-up career. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll see him at the, one of the local comedy clubs uh, after a game. All right, let's uh, we'll shift into the the game time, uh, the game action, which we didn't get to. I didn't get to yesterday in my first view of the uh, my first run at the podcast. So we'll come back and talk about that, including the small lineups, the super small lineups. I know I've mentioned it a lot on the podcast. Uh, trying to get a sense of of how those worked. Talk about that in just a second. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are missing out. I just got a box of these, the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. I got them specifically for the 13-year-old. He like he's eating these things two at a time. So if you ever wonder how these things taste, a teenager is scarfing these things down. For you, it's only 160 calories and 15 grams of protein. So they're delicious, obviously, and they're good for you. They're not or they're not bad for you. They're actually something that you can add to your diet and feel good about it. Snag a box for you and the family would be a perfect treat or if you want to just hide them and it's that that's beyond time for me but uh you can hoard them for yourself uh covered in 100 chocolate uh light fluffy texture really really good built bar makes all of their bars with collagen protein which is absorbed more efficiently by your body provides tons of health benefits so tastes good it's good for you check out the new cookie dough chunk puff wherever whenever you need a snack or after a workout or breakfast or a late night treat or whatever it's the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. It's LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order, and it works every single time. LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks again for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Make sure you are checking out next week the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview starting October 10th. It's a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. I was a part of this on the Contender episode. Local experts and the NBA insiders from the Lockdown Podcast Network and Odyssey combining into one ultimate NBA preview. It's starting October 10th. Search for Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's bring Tom Westerholm back into the mix. Talk about that game. Uh, you know, I was going through rewatching some of the game and I think one of the big things that came out of it, we talked about like the turnovers and stuff. Joe Missoula said, uh, he thought the guys had good intentions and he said that before I, I, I kind of went back and rewatched it. I think he's right yeah. that he said, you know, guys, guys were trying to do the right things and they still had a lot of turnovers clean up. The timing and, you know, if you keep trying to do the right things, those will naturally kind of go away. I tend to believe them on that. So the 23, 24 turnovers that they had, I think they were 
a couple that they were pushing the ball, a couple where they were trying some backdoor cuts, uh, ball just, you know, may, maybe trying to force it a little bit. Cleaning those things up shouldn't be too big of a problem. I came out of that game thinking like, geez, they kind of like survived a bunch of turnovers. But on second second watch, I thought not not as bad as the number looks. So I feel like just cleaning up one of the negatives from the game, I think the turnovers weren't as bad as they first kind of felt. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think if you all you have to do is look at the assists to – to feel that way, right? Like yeah, yeah. the assists suggest this is a team that was really trying to move the ball. And, you know, a couple of times we saw, you know, some of those turnovers where, um, you know, a guy moved when he wasn't supposed to move, a, you know, like like kind of passing to an area where there probably should have been somebody. You know, yeah. there's going to be a lot of familiarity that, that, that has to work. I mean, like b- partly because, look, like one of the things the Celtics did was they ramped up their spacing. And part of spacing is having guys in the right spaces. So, you know, and it's, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting for Sam Hauser. Like he is a shooter. He's the kind of shooter, you know, he's like a, uh, a spot up guy. And, and part of being a really effective spot up guy is kind of floating along the three point line where your defender isn't right. Kind of catching your defender napping. Well, if Jason Tatum is driving and Sam out and he expects there to be an outlet and he, you know, he feels somebody collapse. Yeah, I mean, especially in the early going when he and Sam Hauser are kind of working on that timing and working on that spacing, there might be some of those like disconnects. There might, you know, Jalen might float a pass that was supposed to be in the corner, but, you know, Hauser's defender was right there. So he floated up a little bit. Yeah. Those things are just going to take time. They're going to take familiarity. And I think the good thing for the Celtics is that, like, okay, so somebody like Grant Williams is probably always going to be roughly in the corner, right? Like, that's like, yeah. his best spot anyway. Um, but, I think the good thing for the Celtics is that most of the team has a lot of that familiarity and it's just going to be kind of like getting the other guys up to speed as opposed to having everybody have to develop it all at the same time. Like instead it's like, it's mostly, okay, let's get Malcolm up to speed. Let's get Hauser up to speed. Everybody good. All right, let's roll. Like I I feel like it's going to be a lot more of that than sort of this big overarching thing that they have to deal with. Yeah, the, the that that is definitely going to be the case, uh, especially when you're working Malcolm Brogdon back in, and even Derek White. Derek White is, yeah, you, know, right, exactly. you know, that's that's still still a learning curve. He was he was coming in on such a you know midstream last season that this is his first chance to kind of get acclimated. And there's there's another new head coach, but still similar scheme, you know. So it's not. Um, it, it's and it's all about building the timing, and and this is why I was so fascinated with that the potential for a smart white Brogdon Jalen Jason lineup, which we saw a little bit of. We didn't see a ton of it. Some good, some bad. I thought there were. It it certainly creates mismatches for Tatum against a guy like Plumley, right? Yeah. Like he he just saw that and was like, okay, time to time to eat. But um, but it also creates the mismatches on the other end where the Celtics are going to have to try to figure out um, when to switch. There are going to have to actually be times where they don't switch. I think on some inbounds plays, they might want to zone up on 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 uh, inbound plays. That might my, my first initial adjustment would be that instead of just doing all of the switching, just zone up so you can kind of always keep. If you're going with Tatum at the five, you kind of want to keep him in the middle. 
uh, defensively. And then once it's inbounded, you can start your switching again because if you're switching, it doesn't matter, you know, at the top. So my first, my first defensive adjustment would be zone up on the inbounds and then, then start getting back into your defense to avoid Plumlee just turning and, and posting up uh, Derek White or one of the smaller guys. But also at the same time, if, if you take a team, a high-power team like Charlotte, and turn their offense into Plumlee post-ups. Right. That's exactly. also not the worst thing. You just got to make sure that the post-ups aren't just sealing in the lane. That's why I want them to zone up right away uh, on the inbounds. If he's just sealing off in the lane, he's just going to turn around and lay it in. You don't want that. But if it becomes a a post-up on the block, all right, sure. And you can, you can scram – uh, if it's white, you can scram him out and throw Marcus in there. You anybody else right. in there to have a better shot at it. So minor tweak there defensively. It is very funny how many of the Celtics defensive schemes, like the 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 tweak that you end up coming up with is, well, just have Marcus do it. Mar- like, Marcus yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a concern about the biggest guy on the floor. Put Marcus Smart on him. Yeah, Marcus, you got this. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I mean, to your point though, right? Like. Yeah, Plumley like Plumley post ups. Like, how many guys in the league are there where consistently a post up like that is going to be a major issue? And on the other end, how often is it going to be that it, there is a team where the offense that they get because you go small is better than the offense you're getting because like Plumley is guarding Jason Tatum? Like, right. There, I mean, the advantages that it creates are pretty significant. So. You know, I see the vision for it. I do think, I mean, look, this, I think, especially until Rob Williams gets back, like the Celtics are going to have some rebounding issues. Like they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to give up some boards. Like Horford's never historically been like an elite rebounding guy anyway. Um, I, you know, I'm interested to see how that all works. And I don't think that the small lineup is going to be uh, particularly conducive uh, for that. But uh, I mean, you know, they, like they do operate at, as a team pretty well. And I mean, look like, you know, I think um, the advantages that you get from that small lineup might make up the difference anyway. So it'll be really interesting to watch. I, I I also want to see it. I also do wonder a little bit though, how much, you know, how taxing is that going to be for Tatum? Like, is that's the thing, is he going to have to bang with really big dudes? Because that's what you don't want. You you do not want Tatum, you know, really having to kind of mix it up. Um, you know, kind of put his body on the line a little bit. That's not a guy whose body can go on the line. He's way no. too valuable for you. No, keep, keep, no lines around that body. So, and, the, <laughs> and this is why I think it, it is a very situational thing. It's yeah, either when a certain, if if the other team has a, a big guy that that's uh, too big, then you you unleash that when he maybe once he's off the floor, right, um, or. You don't do it against – I mentioned this last night in the podcast. You don't do it against a Philly. You use it against uh, a team like Atlanta where yeah. if you if you want Clint Capella to post up, like, great. So take the ball out of Trey Young and, and DeJounte Murray's hands and, and John Collins' hands and just throw it, throw it into Capella three yeah. times down the floor. Great. Thank you. That works. Um, those, those are the types of, of teams, I think, that you're going to see, see it more. But – they definitely have to work some things out. Offensively, I, I, I'm afraid of a um, 
of it becoming a little bit of a, a, a matchup hunting type of offense, the, 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 the beauty of having those guys out there is that they could all just keep attacking, attacking, attacking. Right. I don't want it to turn into Jason saying, I got Plumlee on me. Everybody stand back. I got this. Like, yes, you got Plumlee on you. Attack them. But then it should just be drive and kick because the next guy who gets it and says, oh, I got Plumlee on me. I can attack. This. Every one of those guys can burn Plumlee. And, and that's going to be the whole point of the offense. One thing I saw offensively on that side is it it didn't seem like there was a whole bit of comfortability screening. Um, those th- That lineup doesn't have a bunch of screeners per se. And you don't want to turn historically your four and five are your screeners, but right. your four and your five are Jalen and Jason. Now you can turn them into screeners and say – what it's it's the guy who sets the pick who's going to be the most dangerous guy because if if you're if you're running a Tatum Brogdon pick and roll well who do you guard what do you do do you blitz do you what do you do? you can't do anything but also you don't want to turn Tatum and Brown into screeners for too much of a game either because it just takes them away from their comfort zones so there's there's a there's an issue there that I think they just need to work through. Who will be setting the screens? Who will be the ball handlers? Sometimes when everybody can do everything, it's hard to get some people to do specific things. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, when we talk about this lineup, I don't think either of us is thinking of it even in terms of, like, the Warriors' death lineup from a few years ago, right, where it's like, that was one where they unleashed it a pretty fair amount at the end of game. Yeah. That's not what – I don't think that's what this lineup is. No, think, it's not. I, yeah. Like, I, I, I Atlanta's a great example. Um, but I, I, can, I can mostly think of bad examples, right, where it's like, okay, like, obviously you're not doing this against the Nuggets. You're not doing this against the um, Sixers. You're not doing it against Memphis because uh, the last thing no, right. you want is Jason Tatum getting matched up with Steven Adams. Like right, right. You're going to um, take an elbow to the chops, and then that, <laughs> yeah. that's not what you want. <laughs> right. But yeah, I think, like you said, situationally busting it out. Um, you know, maybe I mean, yeah, maybe there are teams where it makes sense to end a game that way, where you just like annihilate them offensively for the end of the game, and like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll trade baskets. We were up thirteen, now we're up seventeen, no problem. You know, yeah, like that. But um, yeah, I, I think generally speaking, this is going to be something that that is is unleashed. Um, if the Celtics unleash it, it's it's gonna it's gonna depend very much on um, certain teams. And certain personnel. Yeah, you can't. I think people see that that Warriors death lineup and just say go super small and you can do it. But the key the key to that whole lineup was was Draymond Green and, and Draymond. And the Celtics have Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is part of that lineup, so I see the <laughs> but he's a little yes, <laughs> but he's but yes, but he's also not that same role as Draymond. I know I know you're joking around, uh, but for there's Draymond is Tatum's size. He might actually be a little bit smaller than Tatum. But he's definitely um, shorter. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. So I mean, I think Tatum's bigger than Draymond, but but Draymond plays such a specific role as that small ball center that especially at his peak when he yeah. he could occasionally still hit a 3. That there's there's just it's impossible to replicate that Warriors death lineup because of the uniquely great players in the very specific roles 
that they had. And to me, it, it always started with Draymond being the the best defender on the floor and such a great facilitator in the high post and, and making that offense work. That's what I'm talking about with the Celtics lineup. There is Not only is there no Draymond defensively, he did something very specific. And there's nobody in this lineup that, A, does anything that specific, or B, you would want to reduce to that kind of specificity. Because the whole point of that lineup is you got Smart and White and Brockton and Jalen and Jason. They can all do everything. And so they should all be flying. That that team should be flying and and dribble handoffs and and back cutting, and and it'll be a different style. They They should be able to perfect that. I do think the benefits will outweigh the the negatives, but it's it certainly is a work in progress. Definitely. Um, what else from that game? I think okay. Uh, everybody wants to talk about Cabangeli, right? Fiondo Cabangeli. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, I will say that um, I, I only bring it up because the work that he was doing in practice on Monday, which I think is. Important because he's he's learning pick and roll stuff. But Jalen Brown spent a significant amount of time working with him and teaching him the ins and outs of angling. Uh, when when you see my defender this way, I'm looking to cut. When you see the defender here, like he was grabbing Tony Dobbins like by the shirt and like go here, go here, go here. When you see this, I'm doing this. When you see that, I'm doing that. And like the little nuance of he's defending me straight up. So I'm going here. He's angled a little bit this way. I'm going to do this. Uh, so much, so much in there. It's almost like it was like Coach Jalen Brown. That was it. Was really fun to watch that whole thing. Um, I've, I'm going nowhere with this. I really just wanted to talk about how cool it was that Jalen and Kevin Gelly were were together and working for a solid like 20 minutes or so uh, after practice on those pick and rolls. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. And, and I mean, look, I think that's Gavin Kelly is going to be, I think, fun. Um, I don't know how much more than that he's going to yeah. be. I mean, like, you know, uh, like it, clearly he's a guy who, uh, you know, wants to stick at the NBA level, who's who's working really hard to try to be there, who's, mm-hmm. you know, willing to throw himself after the ball and all that. And I mean, there's a lot of value in that, right? There's a lot of value in being the guy who, you know, is willing to, to, to lay out to try to grab something. But, I mean, you know, he's I, – I, I kind of – I don't know. Do you, like, how, how much do you think he's – like, do you think he's going to play? I don't think he's going to play. Like, I compared him to uh, – everybody wants to say, and I've said it too, uh, his game most closely resembles Robert Williams just because he's a roller yeah, and, he's and a high that, flyer. He's got that diet Robert Williams, right, where it's like – Yeah. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, that's if, – if you – if what you need is – He's less like Robert Williams' talent and more just Robert Williams' skill set against certain teams. Kevin Gelly can kind of imitate yeah. that for you, and that's fine. He's never going to be Rob, but like, yeah, if he can, if you just need somebody who's who's just bouncy and maybe a tiny bit intimidating and can catch a lob, yeah. sure, by all so, means. I I said in in yesterday's podcast, he's he's like rookie year Rob, is is what he is, you know. Yeah. Even I, I think less, less feel, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, like right. 
in that in that in that realm. He's not yeah. this year, Rob. He's not the Rob that you expect to come in here and had he played a whole season, compete for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he, this is this is the guy who's like not sure where to go, isn't playing, you know, doesn't know the angles, doesn't know all that stuff. Uh, is trying to jump jump and block everything. I'm, I'm watching the game again, and you see things on the broadcast that you don't uh, in person, especially at the angle that they have us at. But one nondescript play that ended in like a a travel call. I think it was Alonzo Ball traveled. But as he was driving, you can see Kevin Gelly just loading up. He's in his crouch. He is ready to jump. Not even wondering if there's going to be a fake, no nothing. He is just, the, the engines have been lit, and he's at three, two, and if it wasn't a travel, he was going up. No matter what, that's the that's the Kevin Kelly that resembles the early Rob Williams. Rookie Rob, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's jumping. No matter what, he's jumping. You don't even have to fake. You just gotta like give a little eye fake. You just gotta give your eyebrow right raise, and he's poo through the roof. You can go like under him. He jumps so high. Uh, anything else from the game that stood out to you that you want to bring up? I mean, the the big takeaways, you know, we're all we're all stuff that you've touched on. Like, I think. Adding Brogdon to this team is monstrous. Like, yeah, it, like the bigger than I thought. Yeah, like it's going to be really big time because not. I mean, it, like, sure the scoring, right? Like the bench, the bench needed some scoring punch, and he brings like he brings so much of that because like the shooting, sure, like it's up and down, like depends on the season. He, you know, some years he shoots like thirty seven, some years it's thirty one. But, like, you know, the ability to get to the rim, the ability to pass out of there, the ability to, um, you know, just, like, just break down a defense. Like, like what an addition. And, 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 like, I know we've hammered it to death, right? But, like, to get him for basically, like, one draft pick and some stuff that you weren't going to use anyway. Yeah. It's just a coup d'etat. Like, like yeah. well done, Brad. Like, I, I hope Brogdon stays healthy just – so that we can see what this looks like for an extended period, because like this Celtics team could be really, really, really tough this year. They're going to be really good. Um, And then I thought, I thought too, like the spacing just looks so different this year with like, you know, with like Grant Williams, like hit, hit a lot of threes last year. And by the end of the season, he was kind of, you know, that, like he spaced the floor a little bit. People closed out to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, generally, they generally preferred to stop Jason Tatum more. So Grant did get a lot of looks, but like, I, I just think like adding Hauser to that mix, um, like though that's target practice for him. Like, yeah, those are easy shots, and I, I know that like the Hornets were not exactly operating at like peak capacity, but like, I mean, Hauser's. Like he's gonna feast this year. This, this year could make Sam Hauser a lot of money. Like for the rest of his like, because there's there's a real market for a man like him. So yeah, I, just, I mean, look, I, I know like we're gonna we're gonna learn things about this team. We're gonna discover things that they need to work on. That you know, I I, I do think that there's gonna be an issue for the first however many weeks of the season with um, only having Rob or only having Al while they're waiting for Rob. I think like. Asking Al to be the the rim protector, the switching guy, and the rebounder, like in addition to all of his offensive responsibilities, that's a lot. There's going to be issues here, and and it's a lot that we haven't seen yet. But like, good lord, this team could be really good. This team could be just disgustingly good at basketball. Yeah, I think I, the one thing that keeps coming up is is the level of focus. Even Blake Griffin at, at practice. 
Monday was talking about these guys look focused. Everybody's talking about how just locked in they are. And, you, you know, the, the whole Ime Udoka stuff happening when it did actually, you know, if a bad thing like that is going to happen, having it happen so close to the season actually was at least timing wise, it might, it might've seemed initially like, Oh God, this is terrible timing, but for the players, they want to forget about this so badly that they just had to put their heads down and had to focus on the basketball so much that I think maybe a few of these guys might've felt like, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be a long run. We just had a long run. We're going to ease our way into things. And I think this preseason might've been a little bit different if nothing happened. Like, I don't think they win this game by, by 41. I think there's right. a little bit more sloppiness and, and, and definitely it just would have gone differently. Um, they have to focus on everything and make sure they're getting everything right. Because not only does that give them the opportunity to just put stuff out of their minds, it, it erases the questions. It has people, all of the preseason stuff that's going on, all of the podcasts, all of the preview shows, the, well, the Celtics should be pretty good, but we don't know how they're going to handle the loss of Ime. Well, you come out strong and focus the way they were. They, they looked like they were, it was a regular season game. Yeah. You come out like that and everybody goes, oh, oh, okay, they're fine. And then it goes away. But if you come out like crap and the ball's flying everywhere and the 24 turnovers are just really horrible turnovers and you're not hitting half your shots, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, see, that's what happens. They're, they're clearly, clearly bothered by the loss of Amy. And I can tell you that just just anecdotally what I hear, everybody's bothered by it. Everybody's still bothered by it. But the, the focus has to be on the product now so they can put all of that aside. They have no choice. The product is happening. The games are happening. So I thought what we saw in game one was certainly, I think, some amount of them kind of like circling the wagons and saying, we're going to execute what we do. We're going to do it as best as we can. And winning games is going to shut everybody up. And winning games is going to prove to everybody that we, the players, are the ones out there that, that went to the finals. And I, I think this is just one step in that. But you're right. There are going to be issues. But I think that that is certainly at play. And look, it's kind of like what we, we talked about this on, on a recent episode about how, like, just because Emei is gone doesn't mean you have to stop doing the things that he told you how to do. That's right. also the case for, like, just your mentality. Like, yeah, whatever Emei did, whatever bad thing that he did that, like, you know, the players don't know yet but seems to have Matt Barnes convinced, like, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever that is, like, Emei still seems to have taught, you know, like, seems to have, you know, like all last season preaching mental toughness, mental toughness, mental toughness. You can still take those lessons. You can still – do whatever you want with them. You can still absolutely just implement that and be like, yeah, we're still mentally tough. E like, even if Ime was the one who kind of like pushed that and, and brought that out of them, the, the fact that he's gone doesn't change that. In fact, like 
you can just be mentally tough that you learned from Ime about Ime being gone. So like, yeah. you know, all these things, like all these reasons why like Ime, yeah, like it, it certainly sounds like there's a great reason why he's gone, but he was also a good basketball coach and the guys who are like learned from him get to still implement all the things that they learned last year. Right. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to give that back. You don't have to yeah, like no, exactly. erase the knowledge that he gave you. You don't have to erase all of the responsibility that he's like, you know, all of the good stuff. You can still do that stuff. Yeah, it's the yeah. smartest thing that Joe Mazzulla is doing. It's the smart. <laughs> it, it's just, he's like, we went to the finals. We did it a certain way. We're going to still do it. We're going to keep doing all of that stuff because it's basically, we're all back. Seriously. Everybody's back except for Ime. All the assistants, all the players, like everybody is back except for Ime. And yeah. so why not just, just keep doing it? We, we, we still have all the tests. We still yeah. have all the notes. Let's just yeah. keep, like, let's just do it again. So, yeah. yeah. I, Ime, Ime didn't coach problematically. He acted problematically. <laughs> right, so just, right. So <laughs> Off the court stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't do the off-the-court stuff that he did. Yeah, yeah. Do don't the on-the-court stuff that he did. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we could, be, we, we could be sitting here after the Toronto game and being like, oh, my God, they looked horrible. Uh, one preseason game, we can't overreact to it. But I did, I did like what I saw uh, in a lot of ways. All right, Tom, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate Good it. To have you. Good to have you on. Talking basketball. Tom Westerholm, everybody. Tom applause. underscore NBA. Applause, yeah, Tom Westerholm. Everybody, everybody up in the in the behind me at the practice facility. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Feels good. It feels Get good. I'll sleep, I'll sleep well tonight. Yeah, you will. All right. I don't get applause. I'm the host of the damn show. I didn't get applause. I have to applaud Tom. You know what you can do? You can leave comments. Just leave the applause emoji in the comments on the YouTube page. Help feed the algorithm there and uh, give me give me the applause. You think I'm Tom's not the only one with a fragile. So uh, I would love it if you subscribe to the podcast and, uh, you know, Monday through Friday. So subscribe to the show. Uh, thank you for making your first listen. Hey, by the way, make your second listen to the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Josh Lloyd is a monster, monster. That that podcast is just out of control. They hit 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. 50, 50, 50,000 on YouTube. I was happy that I just got 8,000 for this show. That's how big Josh Lloyd's show is. Uh, check it out. If you're if you're playing lockdown, if you're playing fantasy basketball, check out lockdown fantasy basketball. If you're just into the Celtics, just subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Watch the show on YouTube. Like I said, like it, rate it, review it, all of that stuff. Share the podcast. Tell your friends and family and everybody that they should be listening to and watching. I'll spit this out. Listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. <laughs>